from Television City in Hollywood. Welcome to episode 96 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. That hasn't changed even though we're now into a brand new year, 2020. But I still remain your humble host, Jason Bullitt. The man the hour, woo, too sweet to be sour, Jack. And I'm coming to you from, ah, you know, same old place as it's always been. I've had myself one heck of a holiday season. You're going to hear that in this episode. That's going to be the main topic of this episode as begets the first such session of the new year, first casting of the pods, if you will. Had a lot happen to me. Got some content out. Thank you for listening to that. I appreciate it. Let me get to my social media first. Deleted my civilian Twitter, so you won't find me there anymore. But you can follow this podcast on Twitter at keep underscore podcast. My civilian Instagram is still up and running, Jason underscore 51838. And there's also the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page. I hate to put the sad shoes on this time of year, but I have to do it again. There are some noteworthy passings that have happened since last I spoke and you listened, which wasn't that long ago, let's be honest about this. Don Imus passed away the Saturday before New Year's. He was a controversial radio DJ known as a shock jock. He helped pave the way for Howard Stern and Mankow and all these other people to get in the radio business. He had a show called Imus in the Morning. He was on WNBC, so he was alongside Howard Stern. Well, he worked with him on the staff, and those two had a little bit of a enmity between each other. Some would say rivalry, but they were both in the same station, and both of them were almost in the same stock and trade. Don Imus went on, like Howard Stern, to have a nationally syndicated radio show. Howard's still going. Don Imus, unfortunately, got himself in a bit of controversy with the Rutgers women's basketball team back in 2007. CBS fired him. Came back somewhere else and then retired in 2018, and he passed away this past Saturday as I record this, December 28th of last year. And of course, two more noteworthy passings, these in the world of sports. The first one was David Stern, commissioner of the National Basketball Association, the NBA, for 30 years. Helped see the global expansion of the NBA. Its product is now viewed nationwide, not only nationwide, but worldwide. Sorry for the stutter step there. He also helped allow NBA players to participate in the Olympics. And why not? Summer's their offseason. Give the boys something to do. Help bring about the Dream Team 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. He also saw the expansion of the NBA, the professional game, into the South, into Minnesota, and other places as well. There was also some controversy, too. we got to take the Bears with the sweets here. He was commissioner when the infamous Malice of the Palace happened in November of 2004. He also somehow greenlit the Seattle Supersonics move to Oklahoma City. And there are some other things as well. Those are the two noteworthiest that stand out in my mind. David Stern had suffered a brain hemorrhage two weeks earlier, and he passed on New Year's Day of this year, 2020. And on the same day, the world of baseball mourned the loss of Don Larson. Don Larson was a pitcher for the New York Yankees. 
He's most notable as being the only pitcher to date to throw a perfect game in the World Series, doing so in 1956. There's an iconic shot of him embracing Yogi Berra to celebrate the milestone. Larson is only one of two pitchers to throw a perfect game, or a no-hitter at the very least, in the, in the postseason, the other being the late Roy Halladay in 2010. So rest in peace to all three involved, all best to their families, and those that know them in the event that they're listening, which I highly doubt. Julio playing us into this portion of the podcast. This is episode 96 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. So we're going to take a look back at 1996, but not before I tell you that you were played into the number four song on the Billboard Hot 100 for the second week of January 1996, and that was Gangsta's Paradise from the movie Dangerous Minds. It was another big year of news. The biggest story of this year was the re-election of Bill Clinton as President of the United States. He easily defeated Republican challenger Bob Dole in that election. There were a good deal of tragedies in the news, though. I don't know if you'd call this a tragedy, but Prince Charles and Lady Diana Spencer announced their divorce. That happened, I believe, when I was in Washington, D.C. with my mom. God rest her soul. More on that later. Happy New Year, Mom. Love you. Miss you so much. TWA Flight 800. That happened on July 17th. All 230 aboard the plane... When it crashed off of Long Island, all of them died. And of course, there was another one two months earlier. Value Jet Flight 592 crashed in Florida. All 110 aboard lost their lives in that disaster. And towards the end of the year, there was the murder of Jean Benet Ramsey. Her body was discovered in her parents' home in Colorado. Not that much of news that I could just pick out. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I really couldn't find much for. Noble news stories. You were 13 going 14 years old and most of this shit happened. I know. Well, the first time we heard of a man named Osama Bin Laden came in June of 96. When the U.S. barracks in Saudi Arabia, U.S. Army barracks that is, was bombed in Saudi Arabia. We really get to know him late in the 90s and especially into the early part of this century. But it wasn't all bad news. The country of Haiti in the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean saw the end of the Jean-Bertrand Aristide presidency. His rule ended peacefully. René Préval got to take the reins. And, of course, the biggest fad of the year is, was the Macarena, Los Del Rio. It was everywhere in the late summer, early fall of 1996. I remember when, here's the thing, a little story here. When I was in eighth grade, we went to Boston, the band. I was in the band, the choral ears, the orchestra, a number of us, Got on a bus and we banged it up to Boston for the day. And one of the things we did, we went on this little uh, cruise ship around the harbor. I won't say cruise ship, we went on this little boat around the harbor, took a little cruise there and back just out to sea and not too far to sea, thank goodness, but close by and it was like a loop-de-loop and then there and back again. And during this time on the ship, we did the Macarena. Well, I didn't go downstairs. 
I can just see some of the chaperones and the students were down there just strutting their stuff to the Macarena. That was everywhere for a hot minute. Now we got some births here. Now, like I said, there's going to be more concepts than human beings as we get further along here. We had the birth of actress Abigail Breslin. Lord, a great singer, was born in 96. She got to meet George Brett recently. In fact, that's how she got the inspiration for the song Royals. That was her hit that got her into the consciousness. She was looking at an old issue of National Geographic magazine. Somehow, Kansas City Royal Slugger George Brett was featured. I don't know if they did an article on there. The picture said, well, I'm going to sing Royals, and there you go. They even know about baseball in Australia. Lil Peep, a rapper who died in 2019, forgot to add him in the obits, but I didn't really know him that well. That's how old I am. He passed, he was born in 96, he passed in 2019. Some of the greats of the Disney Channel were born in 96. Dove Cameron and Zendaya Coleman were born in 96, as was actor Tom Holland. Well, that was a short list right there. But there's a much longer list, and unfortunately proves once again, as there is life on this earth, so must there be death. Death is necessary for life to continue on, you understand. Don't I know it? And speaking of death, this was recent past. I want to give a special shout-out to a friend of the show, Adam Parada, who you recently heard during the Holiday Shit Fest, both episodes, Christmas and New Year's. Adam's grandfather passed away the day after Christmas, the age of 93. He had a hell of a run, man. So I wanted to say to Adam and his girlfriend, Amy, and to everybody in the Parada family, I offer my condolences and deepest sympathies to him and the family during this difficult time. All right, back to deaths of the past. 1996, I lost my grandpa in 96 too. My paternal one. My maternal one was long gone by the time I came into this world. Arthur Bullitt Jr., he was a World War II veteran like Adam's grandpa, even though he was nine years older. And I told her that he had suffered Alzheimer's. Well, two years after his diagnosis almost, he passed away. This is before I was set to start eighth grade. My first of many dalliances with grief. Also, those who joined him in the heavens in 96, Francois Mitterrand, president of France. Barbara Jordan. Gave an eloquent opening statement, according to a Wikipedia article, at the House Judiciary Committee meetings, or hearings, rather, during the impeachment process against Richard Nixon. She was also the first African-American to deliver the keynote address at the Democratic National Convention, as well as the first woman to do so. The first African-American elected to the Texas Senate after Reconstruction. And the first African-American, African-American, hello, Happy New Year, old Clark. The first African-American woman from the South elected to the United States House of Representatives. So quite a life there. Gene Kelly, great actor and dancer, passed in 96. Aubrey Meadows, actress most famous for playing Ralph Cramden's wife, Alice, on The Honeymooners. To the moon, Alice. One eight days, pow, right in the kisser. Wouldn't fly today. Aubrey Meadows didn't go to the moon. She went to the heavens. Through no fault of Jackie Gleason, thankfully. Tiny Tim, the man born Herbert Cowrie. Have the ukulele and the falsetto. I'm not going to bother imitating tiptoe to the tulips. I just don't have the voice for it. Joseph Brodsky, great poet. Jerry Siegel, one of the creators of Superman. Martin Balsam, great actor. And another one, McLean Stevenson. You may remember him from MASH. George Burns, great comic radio. It wasn't a stand-up. It was a great comic. He used to be in vaudeville. Then he got into radio and the television. Had a great show with his wife, Gracie Allen. 
there was a great actor, and his name was Wilton Lacoy, and he was a Broadway, Broadway actor. And uh, every summer, he would play about eight weeks of vaudeville. And um, he was a tremendous actor, like John Barrymore. And he played Cincinnati. And the Cincinnati was on the bill with a little act called Brown and Williams, a, a skating act. And when they saw Wilton Lakai, they were flabbergasted. You know, I never thought they'd play on the bill with Lakai. And you rehearse, you rehearse at uh, about 11 o'clock in the morning, and then you do your show in the afternoon. And after rehearsal, uh, Lakai went into a, a, the bar to have a drink. And Brown and Williams went into the bar to have a drink, and they saw Lakai, and they were, they were thrilled, and they went over and says, Mr. Lakai, we, we, uh, we, it's a pleasure for us to be on the bill with you. And he says, thank you, boys. And he said, we'd, uh, Brown said, we'd, we'd deem it a pleasure if we could buy you a drink. And Lakai said, thanks, fellas, but I'd rather drink alone. I just got a wire saying I lost my mother. And Brown says, we know just the way you feel. Our trunk is missing. <laughs> also among the obits for the year 1996, Edmund Muskie. United States Senator from Maine, ran for president in 1972, had the great speech in the snow in New Hampshire when he lost the New Hampshire primary that year. Irma Bombeck, domestic columnist. Greer Garson, great actress. As was Claudette Colbert, had one of the great iconic moments in film history when she starred alongside Clark Gable in the 1934 classic It Happened One Night. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but at one point in the movie, Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert are trying to hitch a ride. And Claudette Colbert's character is not having too much luck. And by that I mean no luck. So she decides she's going to lift up her skirt, show some leg, and the next moment stops by like, hubba hubba, I'll pick you two up. There you go right there. Everything moves on. Great movie. It happened one night. Go and see it if you can. Ella Fitzgerald, great jazz songstress. Timothy Leary, the man who told us to tune in, turn on, and drop out. LSD. P.L. Travers. Now, you may not know the name P.L. Travers, but this person was responsible for bringing Mary Poppins to all of us. Of course, we all know it as a Disney feature film. Minnie Pearl. She was a fixture on Hee Haw and the Grand Ole Opry for many years. I'm sorry if I gave your eardrums a shot across the bow in that last bit. Oh, boy, I apologize for that. Not off to a good start in the new year on that front. I apologize. I don't want you to go deaf. That's a great thing for deaf people to do, listen to podcasts. Anyway, uh, who else passed in 96? Saul Bass. He was a great, I wouldn't say graphics designer, but he was the man that helped revolutionize the art of opening titles for movies. He did so many over the years. Bradley Knoll, this was a tragic one, lead singer of the band Sublime. Spiro Agnew, vice president. He got embroiled in scandal. Don't you wish that had happened to Mike Pence what's happened with Trump? Just saying. Dorothy L'Amour, great actress. According to a Wikipedia article, she once had a dalliance with FBI Chief J. Edgar Hoover. According to L'Amour's Wikipedia article and Hoover's biographer Richard Hack, Hoover pursued a romantic relationship with L'Amour and the two spent a night together at a Washington, D.C. hotel. When L'Amour was later asked if she and Hoover had a sexual relationship, she replied, I cannot deny it. In her autobiography, My Side of the Road, Lamore does not discuss Hoover in detail. She refers to him only as a lifelong friend. Back in the days, you could just keep things under wraps and just leave it at that. Nowadays, people are just going to pry into personal affairs and expose people for who they really are. Could you imagine if that happened today? 
Maury Amsterdam, great actor, passed away in 1996. I remember him from the Dick Van Dyke show. He was a great fall in that Ryers room with Rosemary and Dick Van Dyke. Paul Rand, this man literally and figuratively mapped out people's lives. He was one half of the company Rand McNally. Pete Rosell, commissioner of the National Football League. He passed in 1996, as did Carl Sagan. He went to the heavens among the billions and billions of stars that he helped point out. He was a big influence on Neil deGrasse Tyson. Farron Young, great country singer. I believe Farron was the name of the cat next door to Charlie Brown and Sally's house who terrorized Snoopy most times. Marcello Mastroianni, great Italian actor. And, of course, another actor, Lou Ayers, also passed in 1996. On to the wonderful world of pop culture right now in the sports world. The New York Yankees won their first World Series in almost 20 years, defeating the Atlanta Braves in six games. And I remember watching that sixth game. I was 13 years old in eighth grade. I did not really become a fan until years later. Well, a couple years later. You think I'm a glory hunter. I never had a baseball team growing up. This is going to shock the piss right out of you. The Dallas Cowboys won their last Super Bowl to date by defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers in Super Bowl 30. Cowboys very much in the news as I record this, and not for good reasons. They got rid of Jason Garrett. Now they're on the search for a new coach. So are the Giants, too. The Chicago Bulls began the second part of their 1990s dynasty. They won their NBA championship, fourth, I should say, defeating the Seattle Sonics, now Oklahoma City Thunder. And in the NHL, the Colorado Avalanche, just one year after being relocated from Quebec City, Canada, won their first ever Stanley Cup. But, of course, the biggest news of the sports scene in 1996 was the Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. A memorable moment during the opening ceremony when Muhammad Ali became the last person in the torch relay and he lit the cauldron that burned during the 17 days of competition. The games were marred ever briefly by a bombing at Centennial Olympic Park in the early hours of July 28th of 96. Only one person died, thankfully, but even more damage was done to the reputation of a man named Richard Jewell. He was a man who was credited initially for preventing even further loss of life after the bombings, but unfortunately, it turned out he wound up being the culprit. Bomb. It's a we believe, a white male with an indistinguishable uh, accent. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time and did the job that I was trained to do. Investigators have declined to comment on a report that a comparison of Jewel's voice and the 911 caller found no similarity. Going back to baseball ever so briefly, there was a noteworthy incident towards the end of the 1996 season when Roberto Alomar then of the Baltimore Orioles, had a disagreement with umpire John Hirschbeck 
And during the midst of the whole thing, Alomar allegedly spat at Hirschbeck, hawk a loogie toward his way. For his part in the scuffle, Alomar was suspended for five games and was required to donate $50,000 to research for adrenoleukodystrophy, or ALD. Alomar, according to Hirschbeck's Wikipedia article, claimed along with other players in Major League Baseball that Hirschbeck's personality had become extremely bitter since one son of his had died from ALD and another son had been diagnosed with it. So Hirschbeck was going through a lot at this time. Having heard Alomar's remarks, Hirschbeck charged to the Orioles clubhouse the next day and he had to be restrained by fellow umpire Jim Joyce. By the way, the dispute came over a called third strike on Alomar. Early the following season, the two just shook hands and made up and just forgot about the whole thing. Or at least they seemed they did. To wrap up, we're going to take a look at the other side of pop culture, the entertainment world. The Best Picture of 1995, the Academy Awards, went to Braveheart. It was nominated in 10 categories, took home 5 awards, including that of Best Picture. The top grossing film, however, went to Independence Day, which grossed over $300 million and premiered that summer. I went to go see that movie with Mom, God rest her soul. In Washington, D.C., it was the first time outside of home that I got to see a film. It was our last night in D.C., so we decided, you know what? We're going to go to Union Station. They had this movie theater there, Johnny Rockets. I don't know if it's still there. It's been many years ago. So Mom and I had dinner at Johnny Rockets. It was our first time going to that type of establishment. And then we went to the AMC Theater and saw Independence Day, starring Will Smith. What turned out to be the top-grossing film of 1996. At the Grammys, the best record was Kiss from a Rose by Seal. That was the top record of 1995 from Batman Forever. The best album, though, was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, which, by the way, in 2020, 25 years after its release, headed to Broadway, if it's not there already. Kind of interesting. Everything just kind of flattens out. Time really is a full circle. All right, well, we go from 1996 to 2020 with a brief look back at the last days of 2019 as we take a look at what yours truly did on his holiday break. Well, let's say we start at the beginning, shall we? And you have to forgive me, I've got a cough drop in my mouth, so if you hear a little extra gurgling, that's the reason why. I say we just begin at the beginning. The third week of December saw the celebration of both mine and Tony's birthdays. His comes the day after mine, 17th as opposed to the 16th of December. So the following Sunday, I went over to his sister's house, and everybody was there, friends of the family, mostly relatives. Not much in the kids' delegation to point out, but not that that's important. I got there sometime before the chicken. I remember one year I arrived just in time. I barely got there. All of a sudden, here comes everybody in the family with the chicken. Well, Kentucky Fried Chicken got the, the had some drumsticks, had me a breast. Hello, hey you, crispy strips, all the sides there. They had biscuits, macaroni and cheese, coleslaw, you name it, it was there. They even had cinnamon rolls. They sell those now at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, they weren't full meat. It was just biscuits done up to look like cinnamon rolls. It was all right, I guess. Well, I did a little antiquing. I figured his 50th birthday, I'm going to go unique. I've been giving him gift cards in it for the longest time. So what I did instead 
was I went out to the Babes and Troyland market the weekend previous, and I said, oh, well, I got some money to spend on Tony. I'll get him some vintage postcards. And then on the way home, well, vintage postcards were one of New York City, a place that he likes to visit way back when, and the first of the Thousand Isles near where he was born and initially raised. His father worked with was now National Grid. He used to be Niagara Mohawk. And he moved around quite a bit in upstate New York. About 30 years ago, he came to the Capital Region after stints in Syracuse and Utica. Anywho, that's, that's all beside the point. Now, I got as a birthday and Christmas presents two things related to Sesame Street. One is the 50th anniversary celebration that aired on HBO. And the second was just a regular DVD commemorating the 50th anniversary. So it was a great time. And also, Tony's sister, Mandy, did a great job of recognizing my birthday as well. He let me go first before the real guest of honor got his turn. It was cupcakes and ice cream cake. I stuffed it pretty good. Now, this was also the weekend that we were going to have the big family celebration as well, so I tried not to eat too much. Then I found out that there was a sickness going on at my sister Tracy's house. And so the big family gathering was postponed to the following weekend. So it was just Dan and I going to dinner at this restaurant in Clifton Park. Where we would go a week later as a family. So there ended that. Then I had a great day on Monday with my birthday. Had a great checkup with the doctor the day after. And then Saturday the 21st, I met up with Adam Parada at Druthers. You heard the episode by now, I trust. Met up at Druthers. We decided to cast the pods on when Santa Claus went bad. And then we wrapped it up the Henry Street Taproom, which is where I'd see Adam two nights later. This time he was with his common-law wife, Amy. I also saw Tim Noonan there. I offered him my condolences on the death of his father some time ago. And Jesse Roth was there. He hung out with us for a hot minute. Then he wound up having to bounce. And I stayed out till about, I believe it was 11 o'clock. So and I had work the next day. Christmas Eve, what kind of Scrooge put you up to that? Well, I can't take days off after holidays at my current gig. And I say current gig advisor because I hate to bury the lead. Because I'm going for a new gig. Actually, I'm going to start out the week I record this. And the week this podcast is going to drop. And a new gig. I'm doing the same gig, but this time it's going to be with a different company. And this is going to be like a trial basis of three weeks. And then at that point, it's going to be decision time whether or not I want to sign on with this new company. Which obviously means I would have to break ties with the other company. I'm sorry that I didn't mention this in previous podcasts. There were still some kinks to be worked out. And I wanted to hold fire on that until I got official confirmation that everything was going to be going ahead as smooth as possible. So, new job, new year, new me. Alright, back to the lecture at hand. Had a wonderful Christmas. Had the family over. Had lasagna at my sister's house the night before. And then the next day, the rest of the family came over to Bullet House. We had ourselves a nice Christmas. And it was also the Christmas that I wound up cutting the cord. My dad still has cable, but up here near the pile off the bullet house, I've all but gotten rid of cable. I have this thing as a Christmas present I got called Google Chromecast, and I plugged that in about mid-afternoon. And this is like a streaming, well, it's not really a streaming service, it's something you just plug in the back of your TV, and then you have to plug it to a power adapter. And you can stream all kinds of stuff on your TV that allows, so I can play videos on YouTube, 
I can watch TV via YouTube TV. That's their streaming service. I can play music on Spotify. That's amazing. <laughs> Didn't know I could do that. Play the tuning app. I discovered that two nights ago. Boy, that blew my mind. I can do all kinds of great stuff with it. I don't even need a new smart TV. I just use the TV I have now. So that was a baller Christmas present if ever there was any. Went back to work the next day. Again, the rules. And that meant my holiday break began on the Friday. Got some gift cards. And some gift cards. Hello. Sorry, it's Sunday, folks. Recording this on 5th of Jan, 2020. I spent some, if not most, of my gift cards at Boscov's. Got some great stuff. Got some clothes. Got all kinds of great stuff there. I even foolhardly bought new blinds online, which I took back the following Monday. And Monday nights when I met up with Adam Parada again. Well, this time with Joe Bruin, we recorded the second half of the holiday shit fest. And that leads us to the last night of the year and last night of the 2010s. And holy smokeroonies. This was the most epic New Year's night in the history of ever. The most epic one I've ever had. So about 6 o'clock or sometime after, I head for my friend Dave's house in Albany. But I stop at the nearby Stewart's because they had a promotion where you can get free coffee from 6 o'clock in the evening to whenever they close the shops, about 9, 10 o'clock in some places, your mileage may vary. So I figure, well, this is a free offer. I'm going to need the energy to stay up till till midnight, watch the ball drop. So I took advantage, then went to my friend Dave's house, stayed there till sometime after 9, got served pork loin, among other things. They fed me well, and then right about 9.30, I wound up banging it up to Troy to Franklin Alley Social Club, Cue the Tales of Franklin Alley music. And I arrived in the building at some time past 10. There had been a problem at the Uncle Sam parking garage the week previous, or actually two weeks ago. And I want to park in the 5th Avenue garage. So it was a bit of a hike to get to Franklin Alley than from my usual spot, but just the same, I made it sometime after 10. I arrived just ahead of my trivia mates. Aaron was there with her boyfriend, Derek. Dan was there with his girlfriend, Lauren. Bill and his girlfriend, Bridget, were there. Another guy named Jason and his girlfriend also made the trip. I was very surprised to see that the whole gang had made it out and celebrated New Year's Eve. Though the day previous, I went on Instagram. Looks like the rest of the gang shares an apartment. Well, me and Aaron live in separate places, in separate towns in the capital region. Not too far from Troy. Looks like the rest of the gang shares an apartment. They had a little pregame down in the lobby of their apartment building in downtown Troy. But just the same, all of us wrapped it up at Franklin Alley Social Club. We made that the end point and epicenter of our New Year's festivities. Frank was there, of course. Heidi was milling about the kitchen. Nina and Mackenzie were tending bar. Crowded house. Had a great spread. Paid $10 to get in. Almost had a bit of a hassle with the group of people in front of me who were looking to get in, trying to do something with the bouncer. I really don't know, to be honest with you. Showed the bouncer my ID, and by that I mean my driver's license, and it was party time once he let me in. Best $10 I ever spent. Did some dancing, ate some food, drank some water. I did not drink alcohol any time during the night, be it at my friend Dave's house, or especially Franklin Alley Social Club, which really surprised Frank. As I was getting ready to leave, he was asking me if I had a ride home, and I had to admit to him, 
I did not drink alcohol anytime I was within the premises. I will tell you that right now. And I was being very truthful. My dad said before I left to give him a call if I uh, tipped it back. The only alcohol I had or close to it was the champagne toast at the strike of midnight. Or the stroke of midnight. A little messed up here, folks. The post-holiday blogs have really gotten me. Any who's a little be. We're out there dancing and partying, trying to conversate over the loud music and having ourselves one heck of a time. Then it got to be around midnight. I'm like, I saw Frank like, well, get all the anxiety ready at the stroke of midnight. Oh, I'm like, oh, geez, it's getting real now. And there was no nobody yelling at the count like 10, 9, 8, etc., etc. I look at my friend Aaron's watch. And the clock hit me like, oh, here it is. Happy New Year. And we were really whooping it up, man. Just giving hugs and handshakes, everything. To my friends, to Frank, to everybody in the staff who was there that night. It was amazing. So Frank, Heidi, Aaron, Dan, Bill, the other Jason, Nina, Mackenzie. Thank you so much for providing yours truly with the greatest and best New Year's Eve in the history of ever. At least in my book anyway. A happy, safe, and prosperous New Year to you and your families. And here's hoping, Frank and Heidi, that you had a great time in Costa Rica. This will probably be in your feed by the time you get back there, Frankie. Well, that takes us to the first day of the new decade and the new year. I was a little late in doing my little silly New Year's tradition. First thing I went to was I went to the Racino. Put five bucks in the penny slots. It was hard to find a... A bill breaker that was not overly populated. So I went to a different part of the Racino that I'm used to. $5 was reduced to $0.21. Cents. Like, well, that's yeah, just money. Then I went downtown, went to the North Shore Bookstore, and proceeded to use all the $100 gift card that I got for Christmas. Got some mostly books. I got this new book called The Art of Reading or something along that line. I had the book towel in my bedroom. I can't remember it offhand, though. Got a whole bunch of great stuff. What else? I got like facial moisturizer in a bookstore? Well, that's how they rolled. Don't question the hustle. About the time I got some of that. I've been using body wash. About the time I use proper facial moisturizer. Hello, Thaler. All right. Thank you, bud. Happy New Year. Anyway, what else did I get? Oh, yeah. There are some other things, too. I just don't want to waste your time and your ear holes mentioning them. And, of course, I did my little urban exploration thing, but the way the winds were blowing, how cold it was, it wasn't like two years ago where it was really cold. I wound up just going to the Racino, and that was it. My phone actually shut down. It was so cold. Well, it was all right, but the winds were a real big deal. But I still did my little urban exploration, saw what was left of the night before, the celebration there with the decor not decoration by hats. You know, that whole thing. Beer cans, one thing or another like that. So I had a good time. Then I came home, had lunch while my dad and his companion were off to a nearby casino. Not called Saratoga Casino, Raceway, Money Grab, whatever you want to call it. Ducked down for a bit, had lunch, did not watch any of the Rose Parade. Went back to the bedroom of Bullet House. And via the Google Chromecast, I streamed the NHL Winter Classic. Only saw the first period before I went to Albany. Saw my friend Dave again, a number of the attendees from the New Year's Eve party the night previous. Played around at Cards Against Humanity. Left before 5 o'clock. Had dinner here at the house. And that was it. Back to work on Thursday. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was how I spent my holiday break. 
Before we wrap up this episode with the Super Six Pigskin Picks NFL Playoff Edition, I haven't done this in a while. I'm going to give some shout-outs to my podcasting family and wish them a happy new year. Peter Winston's Greetings from Allentown had two episodes out over the holidays. The first episode of the new year and the new decade was a breakdown of more recent fare, at least comparatively speaking, WWE Saturday Morning Slam, September 22nd, 2012. The day of Castle and Homecoming, which I did not attend that day because uh, there was a threat of severe weather. And what if I got trapped up there? Wound up regretting not going the following day. Ugh, buyer's remorse or non-buyer's remorse, if ever there was any. But the day b- before that, or the week before, I should say, Boxing Day of 2019. A look at Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, February 26, 1983. I was just two and a half months old when that came out. Pete A. Turner, the Break It Down show. A lot of water over the bridge over the holiday break. No holiday for them. They kept up with some great episodes. Will Riley. Will spelled with one L. Riley spelled with two. And the subject was taboo. Ten facts we can't talk about. There was also an interview with Floyd Landis. Great interview. One of the best they've ever done. This is a man who was within a you-know-what hair of winning the 2006 Tour de France. Lance Armstrong, seven-time champion, now a disgraced drug user. Put the whole sport into disrepute. Recruited him onto the team. Unfortunately, Landis lost out. And then he got caught out in the whole drug scandal. And of course, we can't forget in amongst all that, a great album fight, U2 versus The Beatles. You may have heard of them. Eh, there was some band from Liverpool. You may not have heard of them. I don't know what became of those guys. And unfortunately, no episode of the Sportscasters still. Looks like a holiday recess for Steve Bennett. Probably still licking his wounds over the Saints' loss to the Vikings. And speaking of football, that proves a great pivot into the Super 6 pigskin picks. Now, as we're into the postseason, there's going to be a different format here. I'm going to break down, as only I can, all four of the playoff matchups in the divisional round. This is where the losers go home, the winners go on to the conference championships next Sunday, the 19th. So without any further let delay, hindrance, whatnot, let's get right to it. Maestro? Okay, we're going to start in chronological order here, and the first game on the docket will be Minnesota versus San Francisco. The battle by the bay. The 49ers, after years of dormancy and just plain sucking, they are all the way back this season. Great Kittle, whom I've had on my Warriors Fantasy League, despite the fact that my team finished in the cellar, I'm going to get number one draft pick. No lottery for us. I'm going to get number one draft pick next year. That's going to be great. Made himself a household name with his play at tight end. Meanwhile, on the Minnesota side, Kirk Cousins, well, second-tier quarterback. He got the big spotlight monkey off his back. And he had this habit of when the spotlight was on, going back to his time in Washington, when it was like Monday night football, Sunday night football, whatever, he didn't perform as well. Well, guess what? Due to the NFL's dang-blasted overtime rules, Minnesota wound up getting another win over the Saints for the second time in three years. Remember the Minnesota miracle? Stephon Diggs? Well, no miracles needed on this one. It looks like Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. That should make for an interesting matchup on Saturday night. Sorry, Vikings fans. You're going to get screwed once again. This time the Saints will have the last lap yet again. And San Francisco is going to win out. Second of all, we go to the AFC. The Tennessee Titans travel into Balmerhorn 
Bows, crows, natty bows. Can't get through. We were chickens in Maryland, horn. Taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Ryan Tannehill, likewise, second-tier QB. But he's found a rebirth of sorts in Tennessee. People forget that he was a quarterback with the Miami Dolphins. And, well, those Dolphins teams weren't as good as he would have liked. Now you got former Patriots coach Mike Vrabel running the show down there in Nashville. And what an upset they scored against the New England Patriots last week. Holy smokes. Who saw that coming? All this talk about, could this be the end of the dynasty? Is Tom Brady going to be a free agent after this year? Is he coming back? How many Boston cockbags are going to burn Tom Brady jerseys? Baltimore Ravens, on the other hand, 14-2 regular season record. It's the best record they've had since 2006 when they finished 13-3. Two words, or two names rather, Lamar Jackson. That's all you need. Baltimore's going to win easily. Sorry, Ryan Tannehill. All right, on to the Sunday slate and a big time change for past years. The NFL claims to benefit West Coast fans. The games used to be on at 1 and 4 o'clock, respectively. They're now going to be on the same time as the conference championship games next week. So kicking off at just after 3 o'clock Eastern time, Houston at Kansas City, and this is game of the weekend in my book. Whatever you're doing, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, drop it. Get yourself in front of a TV or get yourself in front of the device of choice. Watch and stream this game. You will not be disappointed. Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes quarterback battle of the year. And dare I say of the decade, which is kind of rich because we've just got started with this decade, the 2020s. Houston benefited from bad officiating, in my opinion, their win over the Buffalo Bills last Saturday in the playoff curtain raiser. Meanwhile, everything's looking good in Kansas City. They don't have to worry about Tom Bray like they did in the AFC Championship game last year. Again, cockamamie overtime rules in effect on that whole deal. So with all that out the way, Pat Mahomes and KC will go back to the AFC Championship game. Will they finally get there? Squad Bros have this great joke. Every season, they're almost always there. Or they're always almost there, something like that. Well, here's hoping they get all the way there and they'll take the step on Sunday afternoon. Finally, and I mean that, at 20 minutes to 7 Eastern Time, Seattle Seahawks versus the Green Bay Packers in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And just on a side note, not for nothing, the Dallas Cowboys hired former Packers coach Mike McCarthy just recently. Could this be the end for the Seattle Seahawks? Maybe because there's only one person I can put on that team, that's Russell Wilson. I remember the Legion of Boom when they were a ton. Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, etc., etc. So on that note, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and the gang went out. So to recap, going on to the conference championship in the AFC, Baltimore and Kansas City, that's going to be the SH, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. And the NFC, San Francisco, Green Bay. It's going to be set up for a dynamite conference championship Sunday. And that'll do it for the Super 6 Pigskin Picks NFL Divisional Playoff Edition. And likewise for episode number 96 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the first of the new year and first of the decade. Very proud to make that boast. Before I go, I just want to give you a reminder to listen to this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Give us your feedback. And by us, I mean me. You can also subscribe on Spotify on Google Play, 
and other podcasters that are suitable for casting podcasts. And a new thing called Pocket Cast, I'm on there now as of the beginning of this year. So you can check me out there. I forgot one little bit when I look back on 1996, and that was Tupac Shakur. I'm not going to get into the conspiracy because we're wrapping up the episode, but he was gunned down in 1996, and I'm going to play you out to my favorite song of his, and one of my favorites, All About You, all-star cast in the song, including Snoop Dogg at the end. So thanks for listening. Once again, a happy, healthy, and prosperous New Year to you all. I'll talk to you on the next one, and as always, and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here it comes. Keep smiling. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Sit, boo-boo, sit. Good dog. He was within a you-know-what hair of winning the 2006 Tour de France. He was on... He was on... And speaking of football, that proves a great print in a pivot...